one of the things I'm always afraid of is is getting conned, uh, getting taken. You know, kind of get somebody getting one over on me. So you know, wherever you go, uh, sometimes when I go to the car dealership, I just I, I kind of feel like, hey, I, I know I'm gonna enter into like this kind of negotiating, and I'm just afraid they're gonna give me a bad product or I'm gonna get a bad price. Or uh, sometimes you know, dietary supplements are kind of a big big deal, and they make big promises. You know, this will make you lose 20 pounds and strengthen your immune system and get rid of your dandruff and make your dog, you know, something, it's just, a, you know, incredible things. And, and you're just afraid, you know, I'm going to waste this 29 on on this bottle that's not going to do anything. And just kind of afraid of, of people taking me, you know, getting one over on me, tricking me, deceiving me. But, you know, in reality, if I overpay a little bit for a vehicle, probably going to live. If, uh, if I buy a bad supplement, I might get a stomach ache or a headache, but basically I'm going to be fine. But there, there is a, a long con going on in the world, uh, in this world that we live in. There is someone whose entire existence is devoted to deceiving you. And he is clever and crafty and knowledgeable, and he is, he is often successful. And the results are our destruction. We fall for him. It's not just a stomachache. It's not just a headache. It is our everlasting ruin. So I hope you'll see today is that Satan has agents, false teachers, who are out to deceive you. They disguise themselves so that they can devour you. And so we have to be on guard against false teaching. Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, and what I want you to see first is a deceitful enemy, a deceitful enemy. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, a deceitful enemy. Let's read verses 1 through 6 together. This is what it says. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you to a, as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and claims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Uh, you look there at verse 1, he starts talking about, I'm going to bear with me in a little foolishness. This is sometimes verses 11, uh, really chapters 10 through 13, or, or, or especially 11 and 12, or sometimes known as the fool speech. So basically what Paul is saying is, hey, you're putting up with a lot of fools coming in, teaching you false teaching. Uh, they are coming in, and you're listening to them. You put up with a lot of foolishness. They, they, they promote themselves, and they glorify themselves. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, since you bear with foolishness all the time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little foolishly. It's, it's foolish to promote oneself. It's foolish to compare yourself to others. But, but in order, since, since the only way that it seems to communicate with you is to, is to speak foolishly, you like fools so much, I'm going to speak a little foolishly. And what he's doing is, is uh, satirizing, uh, lampooning, parroting these, these 
false teachers. He's making fun of them. He's making, he's, he's saying, hey, you, you like, this is, this is the way these men talk. Well, I'm going to talk like they do for a little bit, only, only a little bit differently. You know, we all sometimes, uh, sarcasm is, is huge in our culture. That's the way we make fun, and it's, it's got an old tradition, the, the satire that we see, uh, especially around this time of year when we have political campaigns and, and such. Uh, but this is not just for laughs. This is so that the Corinthians would be saved from destruction, so that they would be saved from everlasting condemnation. So this is, this is not for kicks and giggles. This is, this is because... This is because they need to understand how they are being conned, how they are being taken, how they are being deceived. And he talks about his motivation starting in verse 2. He says, I feel a divine jealousy for you. We, we just read in, even in Exodus 34 about God's name is jealous. That is, he does not want worship for any other God. Well, Paul is saying much the same thing. He's saying, I do not want you to be connected to any other, any other husband but Jesus Christ. This is the picture that Jesus even talks about himself. He talks about himself as the, the bridegroom and the church is the bride that is connected to him, that is married to him. Well, well Paul says, I, I, I betrothed you to one husband, to Jesus Christ. And he's using the language of the uh, you know, that, the, the first century Mediterranean area there. There was a, when you were marry somebody, there was a kind of a, a very specific betrothal period, like a, uh, usually it was about a year of, hey, we're, we're going to get married. It was a legal, legally binding kind of commitment, uh, but it wasn't consummated yet. It wasn't, it, you, you know, you weren't, you, they weren't living together. They weren't fully living the married life yet. Well, in a similar kind of way, when we trust in Jesus Christ in this age, we are betrothed to him, or we are committed to him, we are legally bound to him, but the consummation of our marriage to Jesus Christ is not until his return. What Paul's saying here is, my ministry, my work is to take you, the church, and to bring you all the way as a pure and sincere virgin bride to Jesus Christ. Again, he's speaking to them like a father. In this betrothal period, the father was the one who was responsible for getting the bride to the wedding in a white dress to make sure that she was a pure virgin bride. Paul says, I am working to bring you, the church in Corinth, to bring, to bring the church at large, to bring them to Christ, to make sure that the church is pure when Jesus Christ returns. You know, following, following Paul's example, I, I hope you can appreciate what pastors and teachers, good, good pastors and teachers are trying to do, working to do, what, what, what Christian ministry should look like. It is to bring a pure church to the return of Jesus Christ. It's to see the church as pure, devoted to Jesus Christ. He talks there about the, about a, uh, a, the one who is devoted to Jesus Christ. We're to be devoted, single-minded, single-eyed, sincere to Jesus Christ. You know, and I hope that we are all participating in that. God wants a pure church. They even think about Paul as this, this missionary. He is this church planner. He is this evangelist. But even as a church planner and a missionary and evangelist, he doesn't just start churches and then leave them. He is concerned for the purity of the church. The goal is not just to initiate a church, but to bring this church all the way to glory. All the way to the coming of Jesus Christ. And everybody who follows in his step or follows his example is trying to do, ought to be trying to do the same thing. We're either going to bring you pure to 
the return of Jesus Christ, or we're going to hand it off to somebody else whom we should have handed it on to, taught to, to do the, the, same, the same doctrine, the same beliefs, the same truths, so that they keep, keep bringing you forward, keep bringing the church all the way to the coming of Jesus Christ. We want to be a pure bride for Jesus Christ. That's why he died. He died not so that we would live to wickedness or unrighteousness, but that so we would live to, to obey him, to be devoted to him. But he says there in verse 3, he says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, Satan, Satan tricked Eve. Satan is a liar. Jesus says to the, to the religious leaders at one point, he says, you, you are liars because your father is a liar. You are the son of your father who is Satan. He's a liar. He deceives. He is, he is cunning. He, Satan is smarter than you are, okay? I, I hope you realize that, that, that he, is, he is brilliant. He is, he, is, he is smart. He is crafty. Sometimes the same word can be used for wise or crafty, depending on the intent behind it. So you think you're wise, well, you, you, need, to, you need to be wise in the Lord, or you will be deceived. And he says here, I'm afraid that you, the church, I'm afraid that you're, you're turning this other way. You're, you are turning away from this, your pure devotion to Jesus Christ, and you, you kind of think of him as this, uh, this other guy who comes along, who's a smooth talker. Trying to, try, trying to draw the bride away from her fiancé, from her betrothed, from the one who's supposed to be her husband. He's got a smooth tongue. He's got a smooth talk. Trying to draw, draw the church away. That's what Satan is trying to do. And that's what Paul is, is highlighting there. He says that you would be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You're supposed to have a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And notice there that he... He focuses in on their thoughts, that your, your thoughts will be led astray. The way, the way that Satan gets us is to get us thinking wrongly. We, we devote a lot of time to instruction, to teaching, to preaching. It's because the way for us to be on guard against Satan is to know the truth, to have minds that are renewed. I don't know that any of us are taking this too seriously. If we, if we understood that our lives are on the line, and they are, we would listen differently. We would, we would, we would read differently. We would think differently. We would devote ourselves. I know I, I, love, to, I love to learn things. A lot of us lo love to learn things. I, I wish I could know like everything that there is to know. We can't all know everything. A lot of us learn, we, we know things about sports and hunting and fishing and, and decorating and, and fashion and entertainment and cars. And those are all so many, there's so many good things for us to know. But if you know those things and you don't know the Bible, if you don't know sound doctrine, you're setting yourself up to be taken by Satan. You are setting yourself up to be undermined, to be conned, to be deceived. You are setting yourself up as a mark. For the con man who is coming to get you. So you need to know. You need to, you need to have your thoughts. And he, he says there, in starting in verse 4, he says, if somebody else comes and proclaims to you another Jesus. I think we can just surmise from, from the over, overall 1 and 2 Corinthians together, together that, that 
the Corinthians, they liked the powerful Jesus and not the crucified Jesus. Now, we, we rejoice that Jesus Christ reigns, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and that one day he, he now reigns, and one day we will reign with him. Even our, our pre- we are in some way in him, hidden in Jesus Christ. That is our future. That is our inheritance. But our, the, the recognition of that reign, the, the revelation of that reigning with Jesus Christ, that is for the future. We must not separate the powerful Jesus from the suffering and serving Jesus. In this time, until the return of Christ, we have to be ready to humble ourselves and suffer and serve like Jesus suffered and served. They wanted to highlight the very powerful Jesus. Paul is then coming to them and saying, hey, there's a Jesus who, though he was rich, he became poor. Though he was sinless, he took on our sins. And he died so that we would be rich with his righteousness. He died that we might rise again with him. And so you, you think this way. You, you don't go after this other Jesus. They're coming and proclaiming this different Jesus. Or, or you receive a spirit that is different from the spirit you receive. When Paul came and he preached the gospel to them, they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit causes us to be transformed to be like Jesus Christ. But here, these false teachers are coming with a spirit of self-promotion, of self-glorification. It is about their gifts and their power and their notoriety and their recognition. How many, how many people will put up with that? They will tolerate that. This, look overall, overall, this, everything we're going to look, they're tolerating false teaching. Here's somebody teaching a different Jesus, a different Jesus, a different spirit. Even says a different gospel. That sounds very similar to what Paul says in Galatians. In, in Galatians, Paul is talking to the church in, Galatian, uh, in Galatia. And he says to them, there's some, there, there's some who are leading you to a different gospel. And the gospel that they are preaching is not like what I preached. Paul preached that we are justified or declared to be righteous before God and forgiven of all of our sins by faith alone in Jesus Christ. These false teachers in Galatia were coming in and they were saying, you have to, you have to, it's good to have faith. You have to have faith. It has to be about Jesus Christ. But you need to add on to that. Some obedience to the law, especially circumcision. That was a really defining mark. Paul says, hey, if you take on one part, if you, if you say you have, to, if you have to do one thing to be justified, you might as well say the whole thing because it all comes, in, and it comes together as a package. You're either, you either try to, try to make yourself right before God by your works or you try to make yourself, you, you, you trust in Jesus Christ to make you right by faith. Well, the, 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 this different gospel that the Corinthians are believing is like that, but I think it's a little bit different. It's not that you are justified by your works. It's that you boast in your power. There is this evident power that is, that is there and that is evident to everybody that's like this, this power, this super spiritual kind of power that, that everybody, if you really, if you really trust in Jesus Christ, you've got power. You're justified. Yes, you've got to have faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, you've got to have the spirit. But what really needs to, needs to be there to set you apart as a, as a Christian is you've got to be powerful. You've got to have the power of God coursing through you. And, and one of the, the knocks against Paul is he just doesn't seem that powerful. He's not, that, he's not that great. He looks weak. He's not the kind of guy you, you want to look, look up to or be found with. He's not, he's, not, he's not the leader type. 
not justified by our power, though. I want you to understand, not only can you not work for your salvation, you are too weak to save yourselves. In Galatia, it was, you cannot bring your works. You only bring your sin to your salvation. To the church in Corinth, Paul is saying, you only bring your weaknesses to God. That's all you contribute. You are not saved by your strength. You are not saved by your power. You are saved only by the strong arm of God through Jesus Christ. We trust in him. I want you to trust in him. Trust in the one whose power raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And who will raise you from the dead too if you trust in him. Raise you to eternal life. Trust in Jesus Christ. He goes on from there and he says, he says, I consider that I'm not, I'm not inferior to these super apostles. I'm not less than they are. He says, I'm not as skillful a speaker as they are. So they, they were highly trained. Uh, they, were, they were rhetoric, the, the ability to, to be a good public speaker in the ancient world, in ancient Greece. That was a big deal. It was kind of like, like people who were uh, maybe people who would be on TV today. It would be people who were, who were very presentable, able to speak really well. Uh, people who look good, people, people who sound good. He's, uh, Paul says, I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm not a skillful speaker that they are, as they are uh, when it comes to the way the world perceives things. But he says, I'm not less than what they are when it comes to knowledge. That is, I know the truth about Jesus Christ. I know the truth. And he even says, we, we made this plain to you. Paul made the truth plain to them. I, I brought knowledge to you. I brought to you the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, in the good news about Jesus Christ who was crucified and then raised so that you would trust in him. He takes upon himself all our sin, and he grants us righteousness. He grants us right standing with God. He grants that we would be accepted by God and embraced by God and brought into the kingdom of God. That's what I preach to you. I brought to you knowledge. So I don't, I don't present it as smoothly as they do. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have everything that, that might go along that might make it really, really entertaining or really appealing or, or might be very pleasing to you. I can bring the truth. That's what I can bring. You know, we need to decide. Do, would we rather listen to a dressed up lie or the truths plainly spoken? For a lot of the world, they, they, they are looking at, at people, at false teachers, who are very appealing in their presentation of their lies. And they are looking at those who are less powerful, who are simply trying to transmit, not some new teaching, but just the apostolic gospel. And they're... They're not, they're not liked. It, you know, you realize, I mean, try, try to get it, try to get, try to get your head into the, into imagining this. The false teachers had a big following. They had lots of fans. They had lots of people who liked them. And there were plenty of people who despised the Apostle Paul. What is that, right? How is that possible? But look at the world. There are false teachers with big crowds and lots of fans. And there are still those who preach the truth who are despised. But which one do you, which one do you want? 
I don't want you to always be suspicious of size or skill, but what I do want you to do is insist on the truth. Insist on it must come from the scriptures. You must teach me the scriptures. You must show me what the scriptures say. If you can't do that, I, I don't, I'm not listening to that. I'm not listening to another, another gospel. I don't want to hear about another Jesus. We recognize that there are lots of different Jesuses. You know, there's more than, there's more than one way to, to bring in our own contribution into the gospel. So whether it's works or it's own, our own power, there, there are lots of different Jesuses that people preach. Sometimes in our day, it is the, it is the always affirming, never condemning Jesus. It's the, it's the uh, always be happy Jesus. Because God, what, what God wants more than anything is for you to be always uh, happy and never suffering, never, never going, never wanting. Give me the true, whole Jesus. The Jesus in the scriptures. We're so tempted to look in the scriptures and see the Jesus that we want to see. Let's see the Jesus that's actually there. Even when he says something that we don't like. Or the spirit. The spirit of self-promotion, self-aggrandizement. I don't, I don't know what to say about the, the celebrityfication of, of Christianity, of those, those who, who, who cultivate their own image. We must not do that. We must not, we must not love that. We must not seek that. Well, we, we move from talking about a deceitful enemy to a disguised enemy, the same enemy. But he not only seeks to deceive, but he also disguises himself. Let's read in verse, starting in verse 7. Verse 7. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you, God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It is no surprise if his, that if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Paul picks up there in verse 7. He starts talking about his practice when he went into Corinth, when he went into lots of places, was he would work with his own hands or sometimes accept support from other churches so that he did not burden those, so that he did not ask for money from those that he was preaching the gospel to. That was, the, that was one of the ways, that was one of the, one of the strategies that he used to preach the gospel to people. He, wanted to, he, he had a free gospel and he preached it for free. Now he says, I, I, he says to the Corinthians, the Corinthians were... were ashamed of this that they were they they found it disgraceful to have a teacher who also had to work with his hands to support himself 
and they, they thought, why, why don't you just take our money so you can stop working because we don't, we don't really want to follow a teacher who has to work. That was disgraceful. If you're going to be a real teacher, you've got to be a full-time teacher. And he says, I, I didn't, oh, did, did I sin in, in refusing your money? Did I sin? Did it, I, you know, I actually robbed other churches. And he's, 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 you remember, he's speaking foolishly here. He's, he's hyperbole, over the top. He says, hey, I accepted money from the Macedonians so that I wouldn't, ma- wouldn't burden you. The Macedonians, okay, you have to realize that, hey, there's, there's Macedonia to the north and there's Achaia where Corinth is in the south. And, and there are regional differences. There's kind of, and the Macedonians are kind of, uh, kind of hicks. You know, they're, they're relatively less well off. And the Corinthians are relatively well-to-do. And so, uh, hey, you're, you're accepting money from these poor people. Uh, why don't you just take our money? Paul says, no. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going to keep on doing this. I'm going to keep on preaching for free. I refrain from, from burning you. Even when Paul says, even when I was in need. And uh, when Paul says that he was in, in need, he, he didn't mean he needed a new iPad. He meant he, meant he, he, needed, he needed food or clothing. I mean, that, those were the kinds of things that, that Paul put in the category of need. But he says, even when I had a need, I did not burden you. I didn't ask you for anything. One of the things you have to realize here is, is lots of times when somebody does something for you, you kind of feel like you owe them a favor in return. Well, that same kind of feeling was much more formalized in this Greek culture where when, when somebody was giving to you, they were acting as your, your benefactor and you kind of owed them something. There was, this, there was this giving of finances and this return of, of this kind of social obligation. Here's the, here's the problem. The Corinthians don't understand what Christian ministry is. They don't understand Christian ministry. They think that it's pay to play. They think that it is we pay you and you please us. Paul keeps saying, I am a slave of God. I do what he says. I am compelled by the love of Christ to do his bidding. I, I am ultimately responsible to him. I am going to be judged by him. I am going to, I see him as judge. I see him as my God. He is the one I worship. And, and I cannot be caught in some kind of, of obligation or some kind of arrangement where you feel like I have to be pleasing you because I'm not going to please you all the time. So, when, when, when he sees that they don't really understand what, what Christian ministry is, it's, a dan- it's dangerous to enter into some kind of arrangement with them until they really understand. Now, when he had left Macedonia, he didn't take money when he went into Macedonia, but the, he was fine for the Macedonians to support him coming out of Macedonia. When they began to understand, hey, my ministry is not for you. You don't pay me so that I can minister to you. Instead, you, you support me so that I can minister the word. So Paul receives from them. He, he, he says there in verse 11, you know, this, did, did I not receive payment from you because I was di- trying to dishonor you? No, God knows. God, who, to whom I am ultimately accountable, God knows I love you. Now then, starting in verse, starting in verse 12, he says, uh, there's even a, a bigger reason. And that is, I wanted to undermine the standing of these false teachers. You know, they, the, these false apostles, they said, hey, we want to be on the same, we, we're in the same category as Paul. 
okay, Paul's an apostle. We're apostles just like him, maybe just a little bit better. And so, so Paul has defended in other places the, the right for apostles to be paid. But he comes in, he comes in and sees these false apostles who are teaching false doctrine in order to receive money. And when you enter into an environment where people are teaching false doctrine to make money, uh, Paul says, oh, no, no, no. What, whatever they're doing, I don't want to be doing what they're doing. I'm not doing what they're doing. I, they they want to they serve on the same terms as me. Well, well, let them serve on the same terms. Let them, I'm preaching the free gospel for free. If they want to go on those terms, let them, let them go for free. Well, you know what? Here's the funny thing. False teachers don't teach for free. They want your money. They need your money. They are deceiving you to get your money. They see religion as a way to make a buck. So in order to undermine their, their demands, their pattern, they're, they're wanting to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, just like, I'm just like the Apostle Paul. He says, I, I'm not taking your money. Here they are in a category of false, false apostles, false teachers who are preaching false doctrine for money. Here I am, the true apostle, who preaches the free gospel for free. You don't pay Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was rich and he became poor for you. You can't contribute anything. You can't pay for anything. Anybody who thirsts, let him come without money. And that's what Paul is re reinforcing there. And he begins to describe these men in verse 13. These men are false apostles. They are deceitful workmen. Lots of times Paul will describe those who preach and teach as workmen or workers. They're supposed to work. It, 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 he, says, he says earlier, hey, I'm not, I'm not a skillful, I'm not a skillfully trained teacher like them. Uh, but, but other places Paul says, hey, you need to work. You need to study to show yourself approved. You need to know sound doctrine. You need to know the scriptures. If you're going to be a worker, he's speaking to Timothy, who is, who is working in the church in Ephesus. He, he says, if you're going to be a worker, you need to be a worker who studies to show themselves approved. You need to be one who watches closely over their life and doctrine. That's what, a, that's what a good pastor, a good gospel worker does. These men are deceitful workmen. They're the kind of guys who come in and they, they want to build you a house. Uh, and they build you a house and they make it look kind of good. And then six months in, it, it collapses on top of you. That's what false teaching does to your life. You are, you are letting men in and they are giving you a good show. And in, it, down the road, you're going to find out just how bad their work was. Paul even talks about in 1 Corinthians 3, he talks about how, how those who build with poor materials, everything they have is going to, everything they build with is going to get burned up. Well, these false teachers, not only are what they're going to, what they're building with, not only is that going to be burned up, but they're going to be burned up too. He says, you know, they are workmen. He says that they disguise themselves. These false teachers are double agents. They, they make themselves look one way. Listen, listen, guys, the, the false teachers don't wear black hats. They don't wear red sashes, okay, and say, hey, I'm a false teacher. You have to, you have to, you have to know the truth. They are disguising themselves. They are, they are making, they're going to make you feel comfortable. They're going to make you feel liked. They're going to make you feel, they're going to they're gonna make, you, you're going to enjoy. When, when, a, when a false teacher speaks, you like what you hear. 
You're going to like it. They're going to make it go down smooth. They disguise themselves, and no wonder that they disguise themselves, because that is what their father does, Satan. That is what their leader does. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So they disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Please stop being naive. Please stop being gullible. Don't take their juicy bits, hook, line, and sinker. Of course it looks good. Satan knows how to make it look good. Satan knows how to make it sound plausible. Satan knows how to make it enjoyable. Satan knows how to make it make it pleasurable. Satan knows how to tell you what you want to hear. Don't be gullible. Don't be naive. Be discerning. Think. Think. Your life is on the line. Can can you can you spot a false teacher you need to be able to answer that question do i know how to spot a false teacher are they preaching a different jesus a different spirit a different gospel if you don't you're in danger and you need to you need to begin acting quickly to 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 change that he says he says there they they disguise themselves as servants of righteousness they they act like they're doing the right thing the, the, these false apostles, these false workmen, these, these ministers, so-called ministers of righteousness, they're trying, to, they're trying to look like Paul. They're trying to get in the same category as the true teacher of righteousness, Paul. They look a little bit like him. There, there is no false teacher who doesn't give you a little bit of truth. There's so many of us who, who think that we are, we are so wise and we are so discerning that we can always take in the meat and spit out the bones and we'll figure it out. That Sometimes the meat is laced with poison and it will take you down to the grave. You need to know what is happening. He says these, they, are, they are pretending to do what is right. But in actuality, their end will correspond to their deeds. What they are actually doing is is wickedness and they will go where the wicked go the final destination of satan is the lake of fire the final destination of these false teachers is the lake of fire but they'll take you with them if you'll let them they will drag you there with them Revelation talks about the Satan recognizes that his time is short. He's trying to get as many of you as he can while he can. Don't be fooled. Finally, we see a devouring enemy. It says in verse uh, 16, picking up in verse 16, he says, I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. 
He says there in verse 16, uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase verses 16 through, through 18, 19. He says, you know, I don't want you to actually think I'm a fool. I don't want you to actually think that this is actually the way a true apostle speaks. I'm playing a part. I'm acting a fool here. I'm acting like these super apostles do. But you accept fools? Accept me a little bit. A little bit. Let, me, let me boast a little bit. I'm not, I'm not speaking as the Lord. The Lord does not have people speak this way. The Lord does not have people being self-promoters, self-aggrandizers. He does not have them boast in themselves. We boast, those who boast should boast in the Lord. Those who boast should boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, not in themselves. This is not the way the Lord's man boasts. This is not the way a Christian boasts. But since they boast according to the flesh, they want to compare themselves. I, I'll compare myself to them a little bit. Remember, I'm playing a part here, speaking foolishly here. You gladly bear with fools. You've been listening to these fools. Ever since I left Corinth, you've been listening to these fools. Since you're so wise. You know, here's here's one of the sad things, is that, that some of you think you don't have anything left to learn. You already think you know everything. You are above all the ones most likely to fall for false teaching. What does a con man like more than an overconfident fool? You need, you need to be learning. You need to recognize that you need to learn. You need to be teachable and humble. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. None of us knows everything. We must keep on learning and striving to know so that we will be on guard, so that we will not get taken. We need to know the scriptures. And he says, you be careful. You who think you're wise. He says, you, you bear with it, okay? So you tolerate these kind of people. You, you bear with it if somebody makes slaves of you. You know what false teachers want to do? They want to make you serfs in their own personal fiefdom. They want to, they want to make you their slaves. How many, how many people are brought in and, and over time they, the, they do what the false teachers want them to do? False, false teachers are about power. They want power. And he says they that they um, he says that they devour you. That is, they're they're taking your livelihood, they're taking your money. False teachers are about money. They want your money. They don't want your money like sometimes when it comes up in the book of Corinthians. They don't talk about giving. They talk about giving every Sunday. They talk about it all the time. They talk about it every chance they get. The key to the Christian life is giving, giving, giving to me. They want your money. They want everything they've got that you've got. They want, don't want according to what you have. They want whatever you really, you're willing to part with. About money. It says they'll take advantage of you. You know, the, one of the things that happens with, with uh, you know, you even watch whether it's kind of, you know, real crime type TV. Or you kind of watch a movie or something. What, what happens with the, with the con men is they kind of get you hooked. And you, they, they kind of they get their foot in the door. But they always take you a lot further than you wanted to go. That's always what false teachers do. You, you think, oh, I, you know, this just sounds interesting. I'm going to listen to this guy. It's, it's just going to be, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for any of that stuff. I'm not going to fall for any of that other stuff that he's teaching. But I'm just interested in what he has to say. Always take you a lot further than you want to go. He says that they put on airs. Or could also be translated, they put themselves forward. There's a guy in 3 John that John talks about. His name is Diotrephes. 
One day we'll get to preach on 3 John. What a, it's really a, a fascinating book. Diatrophies. You know, what, you know what John says about diatrophies? He likes to be first. He likes to put himself forward. He likes to be first. False teachers like to be in the spotlight. They like, to, they like to put themselves forward. They, they're, they're eager to, to get into positions of power and positions of, of instruction. They want, they, want to be, they want to be a mover and a shaker. That's what they want. Or they strike you in the face. Always when we see it from the outside, we always wonder why some people are attracted to the people who abuse them. But you know what false teachers do? They abuse the bride of Christ. They abuse the church. And when you abuse the church, you abuse the bride of Christ. They want to violate the, the bride of Christ. They want to abuse the bride of Christ. And he says, you, you bear with them. You tolerate them. Stop tolerating false teaching. Stop tolerating false teaching. You see it? It comes on the TV. Somebody preaching a different Jesus, different spirit, different gospel. Don't listen to that. Somebody gives you a book, different Jesus, different spirit, different gospel. Don't read that. Show up on some YouTube channel, different Jesus, different spirit, different gospel. Don't listen to that. I once knew a man. I once knew a man. Came to church every Sunday, played in the band. He's a good guy. Everybody thought he was a good guy. He is a, he's a good guy today. But he's just coasting. Somebody dropped a booklet off at his house. Space shipwrecked. He's just coasting. And I can multiply stories. Just, just hey, here we are, preaching through books of the Bible week by week. We're, we're having theology classes and we're giving away books and we're reading, we're discussing books together and... Show up on a YouTube channel, and all of a sudden, somehow, some guy sitting in his underwear somewhere, putting up YouTube videos, discredits the guy who's, who's right here teaching you the Bible every week. Don't tolerate that. Don't listen to that. Don't tolerate false teaching anymore. They are going to hell. And they are trying to drag you with them. If you, if, you, if you give in, if you give in to false teaching, it is always going to lead to your suffering. The house is always going to collapse on top of you. And if you don't repent, it's going to mean eternal destruction. Beware false teaching. Paul says there at the end, he says, to my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. What the knock was against Paul? Paul's weak. Well, if Paul's weak, let's all be weak like that. Let's all be weak like Paul. Let's not boast in our power. Let's not boast in our strength. Let's not, let's not boast like a fool. Let's not promote ourselves. Let's not, let's not build ourselves up. Let's not talk about our gifts or our ability to speak or our, our righteousness. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4, what, what do you have that you did not receive? Even if we have gifts, even if we have things to contribute, you know where all that comes from? It comes from God. It comes from God. We have no reason to boast in ourselves. We have no reason to promote ourselves. We have no reason to, to lift ourselves up. 
Let's be too weak for that. Let's be too weak to boast in our works. Let's be too weak to boast in our, in our power. Let's be weak people so that the power of Christ might be shown through us. That we might be able to endure many, many sufferings and much humiliation in order to make great the name of Jesus Christ. Let's, not, let's, let's know how Satan works. Let's know how not to be deceived. Let's know that, that he is looking for us. He is not, he is not, he is not, he's not looking for us like a spider spins a web and waits for us to come around and maybe fly into it. He is, he is searching for us like a lion looking for someone to devour. So you be on guard. He's against you. He has double agents on his team working for him to bring you down. There are many things to fear in the world. There is nothing that you have to fear more than the idea that you might be led astray from a pure and holy devotion to Jesus Christ. When you fear anything, fear being led astray from Jesus Christ. In reverent, in reverent fear, in reverence and awe, hold to Jesus so that you might not be unfaithful to him. He is your husband. He is the bridegroom. Let us be a pure and holy church, a pure and holy bride for him. Let me pray for us. Father, oh, we, we thank you and praise you and bless you because you warn us about the enemy. If it were not for your warnings, how we would be lost. So let us take heed of your warnings. Help us not to be overconfident or boastful. Instead, help us to boast in the name of the Lord our God, to boast in Jesus Christ. Grant that we would not, not live in human power, but instead that we would boast only in our weaknesses so that you might be shown to be powerful. We confess that we are weak people. And as Jesus taught us to pray, keep us from the evil one. Keep all those who are here today from the power of the evil one, that he would not be able to deceive us, he would not be able to lead us astray, that though there are false Christs and false apostles in the world, that they will not be able to deceive us, that even your spirit protects us and has sealed us, That you keep us, and as you keep us in the love of Christ, help us to keep ourselves. Help us to work. Help us to add every virtue to faith. Help us to continue from, from knowledge to knowledge. Help us to be renewed in our minds so that we would know what your will is and worship you. Grant that we would live lives of weakness in this present age so that when Jesus Christ returns, that we would reign with him that we would be with him, that we would be raised with him and live with him forever. We thank you for all your many blessings, the blessing of your word. Let it full, have its full effect in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.